Cool, man. Well, here we are. We finally did it after, um, I think, multiple trials and then one uh, cancellation on my end. Uh, by the way, I apologize for that. No, no worries. We finally have uh, have done it. Um, this is the interview, the Ricky Rocket interview. Thank you for coming on the Golden Hour podcast, man. And nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. And let me say this: you are at fault for me using an Olympus camera. Okay? Oh, nice, nice. I, <laughs> I tried the Olympus, and I got to tell you, it is. And I have some high-end stuff. I have a Komodo. I know. I want to get into all that. Yeah. But my Olympus, when I take that on the motorcycle to do a vlog, it's mm-hmm. just so damn reliable. Yes. Uh, that it, and, and it just looks great, right? It so. does, man. It's small and the lenses are small. It's fairly affordable as well. I love the color on it. Um, the stabilization is really the, the most magical thing on it, for sure. It's like best in the biz, right? Yeah. I mean, you and, know? It's a, and it's a great stills camera, too. I, I use it occasionally to take pictures and stuff. So. Yeah. Um, you know, Micro Four Thirds is kind of long in the tooth these days with all these full frame cameras, but hey, it still works. Yeah, well, it makes for smaller lenses and um, that's about you it. know very <laughs> smaller reliable bodies. autofocus and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah they're supposed to. I just saw um, on Twitter today the Olympus will be announcing their next generation camera uh, next week. So um, hopefully, we'll see a new olympus em1 uh you know next generation so i'm looking forward to that so i'll let you know how it goes <laughs> i left fuji my xt3 for that olympus oh wow and it's just because the olympus has slightly better autofocus yeah it's yeah. just a little bit and i tried them both i did i mean i didn't make a video about it but yeah uh, i did a bunch of different um tests and i was like and I love the Fuji color. Love it. Right? Yeah, me too. And the form I agree. factor and all that stuff. But it just, the Olympus won. I mean, it just did. <laughs> I know. It's uh, it's odd. Uh, the, the Sony a7 IV that just came out today. I don't know if you saw it in the news, but uh, that one I will saw. probably be a big a big hit. Uh, so, yeah, you should watch Gerald and Dunn's video if you haven't already. But I um, have not watched it. You know, I've tried with <laughs> Sony twice now. And... Uh-huh. Uh, I kind of go to camera conspiracies guy a little bit. <laughs> yes. you know, if you want green skin and you want to be a lizard person, go Sony. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna upset a lot of Sony people. That's but I, I always say that you know people are always like, well, you can get Canon colors with Sony, but nobody ever says I want to get Sony colors with a Canon. So. Yeah, you're right. It never goes the <laughs> other way. That's so true. Yeah. And you've got the C70 and the Komodo. I did a video comparing both, and I decided to go with the C70. I, if I could, so, I would have both. But um, is that is that your viewpoint as well? You like both? <laughs> you know what? I mean, what's going on right now is that um, my the, I have a showrunner uh, that I'm working with. I do all my own videos, but we pitched a, a show to the networks and cool. we decided that maybe we'll just do a documentary instead because it can be longer. It can be, mm. we can do a deeper dive into some of the uh, urban legends and stuff like that. Yeah. And I keep holding out going, uh, I would probably use the Komodo for that. Not, not saying you couldn't use the C70, you could. Uh, but my buddy, I talked my buddy into his, into a Komodo <laughs> so I would have him be the cinematographer and then we would have an A and B Komodo. So it's kind of like, I kind of don't want to get rid of it, but then Christmas is coming up. Yeah. I'm sitting there going, you know, I could 
turn that into a couple of dirt bikes for my kids and you yeah know, that's I don't, true oh, that's just, true <laughs> i mean it's but the c70 is so good it's just such a good camera it really is i mean i'm using it almost on a daily basis now with my new job i'm doing a lot of courses and just long form content where i shoot for like two hours straight and it's a great tool for that you know great autofocus color science is great but uh, i am working on a new channel i could tell you about it when we're done recording but okay uh, but yeah, we. I think. How did you discover my stuff? How, how did this happen? Because you just slid well, into my DMs on Instagram. I just... did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was like, yeah, wait a minute. So you, I was yeah. like, the drummer from Poison, like the guy. <laughs> this is Ricky. <laughs> what? It was. You know, a lot of YouTube, a lot of YouTubers don't know who I am and couldn't care less. And Dude, I'm do. a freaking rock. Like I cannot stop listening to 70s and 80s rock. I'm like one of the biggest fans. So the fact that you are a fan of me is uh, like amazing because I'm a fan of you. So this is awesome. <laughs> well, this is the thing. I think that, um, and I don't know you personally until today a little bit. You, you come off as a nice person. And uh, I think <laughs> Thanks, I think dude. YouTube is just littered with um, so much polarity and uh, mm. a lot of people just trying to like kind of stake a claim uh, by being snarky and you just <laughs> don't seem to rely on those things. You seem That's to true. just like go like, I just want to do some really good content and uh, make people happy with it and teach people things. And I think that's awesome. <laughs> wow. So thank you. It, a high compliment. Thank you very much. <laughs> so it's easy to watch your videos and uh, it, you know, you don't feel like, Oh my gosh, here it comes. He's going to rip on something I love. You know, <laughs> you, don't, you don't feel like that. You might, you know, you feel like you're going to come away from a review. Sure. Uh, having a, a, a more enriched viewpoint for lack of a better way of saying it. So. Thanks man. Wow. So yeah. kind words. Did, did you discover my stuff with the uh, indie mogul? Is that where you first saw it? Or did you see the older stuff as well? Or what? Uh, uh, the Kino Tika channel came up uh, in yeah, one yeah. of my searches for one of the cameras that I was, I've been through so many cameras. I should have a camera <laughs> channel, but it's such a littered space. I don't think I would do very well. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I thought, think you'd crush it. You're, you you well, got everything. You got all the pieces to the puzzle there. So except I feel like sometimes somebody will like say something technical and I'll go, um, yeah, I didn't know that. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, yeah. That's where the script comes in. I would, I would script things out and just read a teleprompter, you know, but it is odd for some reason. I, I can't remember people's names, uh, in real life, but I can like spew out all the specs of a camera. Like it just, it sticks to my subcranium, subcranium for some reason. I don't know why, but my uh, mind is a junkyard as well for <laughs> things that don't matter. <laughs> yeah. um, I really like, I think this is a great show to have you on to talk about things that you don't regularly talk about. And I can sense that you do have a, a real passion for filmmaking and YouTube. And I really want to get to that. But the elephant in the room, if you want to call it that, is you're the freaking drummer of Poison. Uh, <laughs> can we discuss that at all to get yeah. started to kind of give people an introduction to who you yeah. are? Um, Yes, again, I repeat, the drummer of the band Poison, Brett Michaels, and Ricky, you started the band together. Is that true? Is that correct? We did, yeah. And you're we from started... Pennsylvania, right? Yeah, yep. So we started the band in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and uh, we played, we were young, so we were like, <laughs> oh God, you know, just fresh out of high school, right? And, uh, and, and so we were not you know the, the age there is uh 21 to, 
to, you know, going clubs, most yeah. of the clubs. There was underage <laughs> clubs that you sure. could, you know, once in a while, certain nights of the week. But to make a living doing that or really get somewhere. So uh, we started to, you know, play as as much as we could at some of these clubs. And we'd play in Maryland because in Maryland, mm. uh, the drinking age was 18. <laughs> um, I did not know that. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, it, I don't think it is anymore. But at the time, <laughs> it was 18. So everybody would go across the state line go party in Maryland and then yes, drive back. Right. <laughs> um, or, or stay at somebody's house if you were smart. Yeah. Uh, but so we started playing all those places. Um, and, um, but it wasn't enough. Uh, so we started to rent like VFW halls and skating rinks and like make our own shows. Wow. Cause I was watching these punk bands do that. And mm. I went, if they can do it, we can do it. So we took like this punk rock approach to making our own flyers, setting up our own gigs, because we were not part of the mainstream there. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah. Because uh, uh, we weren't just playing covers and all this stuff. So then we started getting opening gigs with kicks and uh, bands like that. Uh, and But we met some people that were said, look, man, the West Coast is what's prime right now for this kind of music. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Van Halen broke. Quiet Riot broke. There's this new band, Motley Crue, that just broke. Yep. There's this album coming out by a band called Rat, you know. And mm. um, so we're like, yeah, we need to get out there. So uh, that's what we did. We got out here and just started yeah. to. We took the idea that, like, if we all worked at a restaurant, that within two years we would own the restaurant. You know, we had that mentality. And mm. we just uh, put all our focus into that and making music and promoting the band and doing shows and having a great show. And, uh, it paid off, you know, uh, it, we were on an indie label at first mm -hmm. and then, uh, we did so well on the indie label, which was Enigma that Capital picked it up. Yep. And then, uh, we had two singles. Um, we had, um, cry tough, which didn't do well. Uh, it was at, horrible rotation i'll call it at two and three and four and five in the morning on mtv uh -huh. and then we did talk dirty to me and it started to take off and it just really and that was the song that really broke our band and you know yeah. the rest is kind of history after that it's amazing you know, just tour after tour tour you're young you were young you were still a teenager or early 20s or what at that point la i got we got our deal i was 23 i think okay. 24 maybe when when we had our record got our first record deal i'm the oldest one in the band believe it or not <laughs> um, not nice. by much cc's it, like six months younger or something okay like <laughs> but yeah it's not like this huge thing yeah, i think yeah. brett is one year younger than me i think uh and bobby's the youngest um, by the way he he completely surprised me on the mass singer i'm sure you got a kick out of that if you saw that oh yeah 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 <laughs> the banana yeah yeah <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, back oh, in the, it. that's, it's, it's crazy, man. A crazy, a crazy ride. And again, uh, this is a, a photography and filmmaking based show and we like to talk about YouTube as well. So I, I do want to get into that with you, but, um, back in the eighties and nineties you had, yeah, I mean, you're listening, I'm like Guns N' Roses, Motley Crue, um, you guys, um, Van Halen, like it was a really amazing kind of time in LA. What was it like being in LA, being surrounded by all these bands and kind of being a part of that? Um, I know, you know, for lack of a better term, because Motley Crue, being a part of that crew, if you will. Did well, you become you know, friends with those uh, guys or not really? Was it competitive? 
Uh, it, it yeah, to, not not with Motley because they were a couple of years ahead of us, quite okay. honestly. And you know, the West Coast is very monkey see, monkey do. Um, mm. <laughs> and you know, when we by the time we got here, everybody was predicting that there was going to be really, really heavy rock was going to be the next thing. Mm. And so they didn't really want to sign us. They said, "Well, we already have a rat. We already, we don't, you know, like, well, we're not that." Yeah, because we're than that but we uh -huh. sort of have this new york punk pop thing we sort of have you know it, it just yeah. wasn't the same as what was going on out here um and so we really had to grind it because nobody really believed that uh that uh that we had what it took and so we had to prove it by just selling out shows and we you know they said you guys need to have a following so within a year, we were voted uh, the biggest band in L.A. That's and amazing, that was, man. And that's just because we promoted and promoted. We'd have lines around the block. So, we broke Wasp record at the Troubadour. And, wow, yeah. Uh, so we were just like all about just working really hard and doing whatever we needed yeah. to do to get it done, you know? Was that, uh, was that a work ethic that you think came from where you're from? Like, it, was it different from the kind of scene in LA with these guys or uh, you're basically doing like social media in real life is what it sounds yes. like you were basically doing what you would normally do now on Twitter and Instagram, you know, putting things exactly. out, making content, but you were doing it with like sheets of paper and like handing it to people. I mean, I don't know what all you're doing, but like, who's the PR genius over there? Is that a combination of all you guys or what? Well, yeah, there's a couple things to unpack here. And, you know, it's funny because, um, you know, th this is why I think some music works well on social media and other music doesn't work well, but I'll, I'll get into that in a second. Mm -hmm. We had this girl named Deb Rosner who loved our band and she was like a kind of a death rocker, goth girl. But for some reason, she really liked our band. She loved the glam aspect of it and she loved Bowie and T-Rex and saw that in us. And a lot of these fanzines uh, kind of picked up on that. So mm -hmm. we did these little fanzine magazines tiny little print gothic rock things and we kind of got embraced by that group at first which is really bizarre and um and it was because of her really uh but she just kept it going and kept it going and so i saw like this it started to meld these crowds like some of the, those crowds would come to our show and then they'd find themselves, you know, and it, we, we created our own little scene. And mm. to me, that was the most important part of what we did was because when music to me, if, if music can be more than music and it can be kind of a, a social movement yes, for whatever reason, uh, whether that's punk or whether it's Bono or whatever it is that uh, move hippies, whatever moves the needle. I yeah. think that coolest thing and at that time in this town it became a social movement you wow. know it really did it was uh i don't care what music you're from uh yeah. what you liked or what your preconceived ideas come to our show and you're gonna have fun that was the idea that's and that's awesome. where the nothing but a good time thing let's throw this in let's throw it we were like the jeet kundu of, <laughs> of music you know what i mean how yeah, Bruce yeah. Elded martial arts, same idea. It was like, let's put these things together. Let's have this arena thing like Van Halen. Let's have this cool dressed up factor like Bowie or the uh, the New York Dolls. Let's have this, you know, no frills 
uh, work ethic, like like Leonard Skinner, like let's put all these things together and, yeah. and just and and see where it goes and let our audience pick us. Like let's mm. not go. Oh, there's that demographic or that demographic. You know, sure. I, I don't believe in demographics. I think if demographics worked, every film would be a hit, right? So. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, totally. <laughs> what you're saying is really poignant, and it's true to, to this day, and it's just shifted now to the internet. And you see now all these artists are basically writing choruses that have interesting, weird sounds in them, maybe some sort of dance to go with it so that it goes viral on TikTok. Because if you can get a song to go viral on TikTok, you get a number one in in the modern day like that's all people want is to go viral on tiktok um and so you hear it in the music now it's like they put these weird sounds in it that could be used for a video of of me putting a uh you know what's the thing you put coke you put like a, a thing in the thing and it explodes uh, mentos oh, right. coke and yeah, mentos yeah. you know it's like yes. you, you want something that builds 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 and then boom a big explosion big like tension tension build and then a hit that way people just make a bunch of videos like doing crazy stunts but um, maybe i should write a mentos commercial you i don't should. know there you go <laughs> <laughs> but um MTV was so important, so crucial at that time. And, you know, Michael Jackson changed the game with his stuff. But I would argue that you guys also, uh, the Poison, really were big on MTV. I, I would imagine. I wasn't there. Uh, I was born 1990, so I don't remember, unfortunately. But I'm, <laughs> I love the videos yeah, that I've seen. Now, because uh, I'm an old guy. Um, yeah, we like, um, yeah, we killed it on MTV at that time. Um, that was such was a... It was YouTube. It was YouTube of the of that time, right? Like that's exactly. And it was a scary time because we didn't know if it would work. Yeah. And what would happen if it did? Like, mm. did that make us like a, you know, an MTV band? And we were. We became like these MTV darlings. And it was like, <laughs> that, is that getting in the way of the music? And it's like, well, if you buy the music and you listen to it, it's the same whether you got it because you saw us on MTV or whether we yeah. weren't writing songs for MTV. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, we just did what we did. And yeah, uh, but it's just so funny how people perceive things. They, yeah. they perceive things um, um, in a skewed way mm -hmm. a lot of times. So, but uh, it, no, it was a, a magical time and it was also, um, I mean, I wish MTV still, had you know there was music no, no. it's like somebody put up a meme like i don't know two weeks ago that said like hey mtv happy 40th anniversary thanks for the 14 years of music <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah totally totally right <laughs> i guess the uh the vmas are still a thing but that's about it right yeah and i haven't been to those in a very long time but yeah, yeah sure changed uh, unfortunately rock has become, it's kind of like rock eats its young. Okay. Mm. It, I think people have been, uh, I don't know. It's a sort of a grumpy space these days. I feel there's a lot of arguing. Yeah. Well, like machine, machine gun Kelly's trying to do something and he's getting chewed out for it. You know, like I, I'm hearing a lot of punk, uh, coming back in the music, uh, which is fun. It's kind of the Paramore kind of sound that's starting to become popular i think it's nostalgic for the kids now for, or or people my age it's nostalgic to hear like that kind of 2000 grunge sound you know but i as don't know as long as it's organic i'm happy like yeah. just give me organic 
I, I love drums, guitar, bass, live show, somebody pulling their shirt off and sweating and just, <laughs> I mean, just all that is yes. very exciting and, and it gets people to leave the house and engage. Totally. You're like like when you're on stage, you're breaking down that fourth wall, right? You know, mm -hmm. because you're engaging with the audience. It's not just, hey, this is the fishbowl I'm in and I'm doing my thing and then I leave. It's like you're reaching out and you can't get that in video. You can't get that the same way at this time, uh, maybe eventually, but you can't get that virtually yet in, in any real meaningful yeah. way. Yeah, it's true. In the in the '90s, when Nirvana hit, what, did you see a shift in uh, in music and rock and roll for you guys with the shoegazer kind of movement, if you will? You know, kids coming yeah, from totally. the divorced homes and just the kind of depression that seemed to happen in the '90s. Uh, it just know, yeah, it changed <laughs> the music. It did. I remember we were in Mexico on my birthday. We we're in Mexico City. And I, I don't drink much, um, but I was drunk that night. And they were playing Nirvana and people lit up, right? Um, and at that time, Nirvana hadn't really hit um, yet that much. They were starting to. They were starting to go up. Yeah. And I, and I felt a different energy in the room. And mm. I remember just saying to myself, uh, this feels different. This doesn't feel the same as other songs that have been hits. This is a social movement. Okay? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, um, but I feel like after Poison came a lot of, and I'm not trying to say like, okay, we're, you know, the quintessential 80s band and everybody else copied this. I'm not trying to say that, but there was a lot of, bands that came along where people said, well, you should wear this and you should wear that. And you should, you know, do your videos like a little bit like poison, but a little bit, you know, there was a lot of, yeah. there was copycats. I hate to say it. I of don't course. mean, well, uh, the baby out with the bathwater. There was some good bands too. Don't of course. But it, it became so overdone. There were so, we were already moving on. If you look at how we looked and how we sounded on flesh and blood. Yeah. And, and the bands that were coming out, we're still stuck in the albums we have done prior. <laughs> sure, it was like, no, no, no. You're, you're pulling us back. Let's let's keep yeah. moving. Forward. Let's keep moving forward. And totally, um, you know, I wanted to continue to be creative. Now, grunge was left of center. It was different than yeah. I think the direction we were going. We were polishing our sound. We were polishing that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. <clears throat> But we weren't dressing like we did on Cat Dragged In or any of those records. We didn't look like that anymore. Uh, our stage show was evolving, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, um, but so I understand why grunge came along. Sure. It needed to flush the toilet on a lot of really crappy bands. Unfortunately, we got thrown out with that bunch, but. Mm. We lost our guitar player. We made a different record that threw our audience out and went what is this and who's this guy uh it was a really good record he's a really good player but i think it threw our audience and um and it, so it was a perfect storm it was mm -hmm. like okay poisons finally did it they are the last bastions to hold on to this <laughs> it really is time for nirvana and stuff and it was so i i said you know i'm not going to do anything for a while i got in <laughs> i started making comic books with my buddy my buddy wanted to it's amazing a special effects artist and uh he loved comic books and he was a great artist and i was a good colorist and a computer and a good storyteller so wow we, i didn't know that about you that's really cool yeah 
So we just did our first comics came out with uh, Maximum Press, Rob Liefeld, and then uh, we started our own little distribution. And that's cool, man. Know, lasted for a while. It was fun. And then, and then uh, around 1999, 2000, uh, CC rejoined the band, and mm. uh, we went, "Hey, let's let's go after this again." We put tickets on sale, and we were scared, going, "Oh my God, what if we <laughs> fail? This is it. We'll never get another chance." Yeah. And it sold out the first show, and we're like, Whoa, "Wow, there you go, my man." Still That's there, like, you know. You got so, that core. Uh, you got that core, and to this day, you guys are still touring. I mean, it's uh, yes. It's, it's amazing. So we got a second life, yeah. Are you coming to Nashville, or did you already come? We are. Um, I need to be there. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. No, I'll take care of you. Uh, so the, I, I would uh, love my, to see I, you. My ex in Nashville, so I have a lot of ties to Nashville. I almost <laughs> moved there. Um, I have tons of friends. Um, so yeah, uh, our keyboard guy. That's our, he's our side guy. He lives in Nashville. Will yeah. Will Dowdy. Shout out to Will. Um, so yeah, so the the whole the tour's been postponed twice now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, because of course. Of- the whole thing. yeah. The whole COVID thing. <laughs> yes. but here we go. You know, here we go. Cool. I'll be there for sure. I really wanna just meet you in person and hang out and uh we can I'll hook you up. we Don't can worry. nerd out about cameras. Maybe I could even Absolutely. do some I could shoot some stuff for you or something. That could yeah, be Yeah, man, I'm gonna put you to work. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. I'll put me to work. I'll, you know, I'll do the old uh, wear black and carry a ladder thing and just walk into the back. Um, <laughs> um, cool, man. Well, I don't know. I, I feel like we could I could nerd out about uh, rock and roll all day. But, um, you know, I, I think there's some other things I would love to discuss with you as well, which is uh, your YouTube channel and your filmmaking passions and things like that. What sparked that and when did that kind of happen for you, the filmmaking angle? I mean, you just mentioned comics and, and all that. I didn't even know about that. But um, what about filmmaking? When did this start? Um, about 16 years ago or so, I started making short films. And I never put them out. I did one film festival, um, did okay. Um, and then I had my son. So um, <laughs> yes, that changed things. But uh, when I was building drums, I had a drum company and I did an interview for the E-Channel and the guy in the E-Channel interviewed me in my shop and he said, oh my God, the characters, this whole process, everything is so amazing. This needs to be a reality show. And I said, okay, let's do it. And so he did this, you know, pitch reel and we went to all the networks and uh, they didn't want to deal with music at the time for some reason. It gets expensive, the licensing for one. Okay. Thing. Yeah. Uh, but I started to get really, I went, man, I, I, I want to get back into video and back into this stuff. I was so into that. Uh, and what happened, you know? So I think later YouTube became this outlet. Like, where do I put this stuff? And I didn't start a YouTube channel until a few years ago. Mm-hmm. I had it, but I didn't do anything. I just sat there, right? I didn't do anything. Yeah. Um, and then I thought, well, I'll do stuff on the road. And I went the road. I was just like, where is my niche? Like I'm talking to the camera and it's like, I'm on this subject and that subject. And it's like, I'm all over the place. Right. (laughs) So, and everyone's like, you have to have a niche. You have to have a niche. So one day we were in Texarkana, Texas. And, um, that's where that famous hook hand, um, urban legend came from. And it was real. turns out that there really was 
a hook hand legend and people killed in the car, a couple and all this stuff. It just played out a bit differently than the urban legend. So I did a piece on it and it started to get some traction. Um, not the kind of traction you get, but for me, that was getting YouTube traction. And um, so I went, wow, I, did, I, I grew up loving horror movies, scary stories, you name it. I just love that stuff, right? And I have tons of encyclopedias here uh, of all that kind of stuff. And I just always found it fascinating. And I'm like, urban legends are the best or the devil we know. It's like everybody has an urban legend. Everybody has a house they yeah. dared to go into or don't stand on the bridge at midnight because there's a headless horseman, whatever it is, right? So I just decided that what I want to do is chase down all these urban legends, not just across America, but across the world. That's eventually. awesome. Yeah, I love it. And find out the truth. Like, wh where did it really come from? Like, mm -hmm. let's let's forget about like the, you know, the goofy part of some of these stories. Like, let's dig a little bit and find out what is the substance to everything, right? There's yeah all this somewhere. Even if it's this big a truth or that big a truth, there's some truth in all this stuff. So it made it completely fascinating for me because um, I don't, you know, I'm not really a ghost chaser. I don't. You know, I mean, I'll go to a ghost location or something, but I'm not somebody to walk around with EMF meters and uh, sit in the house all night. It's just not really, I'll do it, but it's not really my thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mm. what, what you're referring to is your channel and you have a show called legend tripping and, uh, you, you, it's really cool. Like, and what's it's the reason it's a great topic for YouTube is that you have such a great built in story for each episode. You, you start with a premise of like, this is a spooky tree or whatever right and let's go find it and you you have to you have to discover where it is you have maybe a map or some general location you got to find it once you get there that you've got the thing you see if it actually is spooky you read some history about it you're really educating your viewers as well and uh you do it all with your own style your ricky rocket way with motorcycles and tattoos and it's awesome like it's it's <laughs> so it's it's a great way to keep it authentic to to you as Ricky Rocket, but also for people who never even heard of you, they could stumble across it and, and become a fan as well because it has it 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 doesn't really have anything to do with poison. It's just a really awesome uh, kind of topic to pick, and um, I think it's a great idea for a channel. You know, it it doesn't have anything to do with poison, and sometimes <laughs> that frustrates people, but. Um, the thing is, is that, I you're, mean, you're more than just poison. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, uh, the, there's a lot of videos around the internet with me playing live and it's yeah. awesome production and all this kind of stuff. Like I, I'm not really going to recreate that in my garage. Now I'm not sure viewers would necessarily want me to try to recreate that in my garage. Um, sometimes they just want the garage Ricky, but, um, I'm not really an educator as far as drums. I'm not a, a drum teacher. So, you know, to carve out a niche of drums on the internet didn't make sense for me. It was like, that's my job. That's what I do. For exactly. And I love that. I, I love what I do. I really do. Uh, but this is a hobby. This is a very serious hobby, but it's a hobby. Mm -hmm. And it's one I like to share. And I, I got to tell you, man, YouTube is the freaking hardest thing I have ever done. I mean, I'm, I'm doing well on Instagram. I'm doing well on Facebook and, and, uh, and yeah. Twitter. But in, in terms of social platforms, mm. it is hard. I mean, I've been doing <laughs> it for years. I'm at 
17,000 some subs and that I I mean it's crawling to try it's whole hard to get subs yeah really. it really is it really is and um there's a great book called the uh, YouTube formula have you heard about it by Daryl Eaves uh, I have yeah I, here, I actually have it I'll give him a plug this is it the YouTube formula Great book, Daryl Eaves. He's kind of the master right now. He's kind of the the guru who wrote this book. Uh, he works with uh, Mr. Beast, who's obviously you know one of the biggest YouTubers on the planet. Yeah. Um, this book has really become my Bible, and uh, I've really I mean other than the Bible, I am a Christian, so I do actually believe in the Bible. But uh, <laughs> my second Bible. Uh, <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I highly recommend it. I don't know if you've picked one up, but um... I do. I I have it. He's done a couple online seminars, I know, uh, and uh, I needed to get in. I mean, I mean, I was looking. I didn't do any work on the Poison unboxing drum kit, and I didn't check it today, but it's over fifty thousand views. Oh, cool! With no work at all, and it's like that. I mean, if I could. I don't know if it's because I unboxed or whether it's drums or I'd have to do an unboxing of drums every day to get those kind of views consistently. Uh, or, or, you know, because I've done other kinds of poison content and um, it uh, it hasn't hit it just anytime I do an unboxing of drums, it hits hard. What are you referring you know? to? I, I saw the the uh, the Ouija board unboxing was, oh, the uh, 2022 tour kit unboxing two weeks ago. Is that what you're referring yes. to? Gotcha. Yeah, fifty thousand views to? there. It's fifty. It's about to hit fifty. It's forty nine nine five seven. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's gotten a lot of views, you know, and that was a very off the cuff. I mean, I set up my R five and just sure, you know, turned it on and went. You know what I mean? No, I, <clears throat> I even you have an R five as well, huh? <laughs> I'm sorry. You got the R. You got the R five also. Yes. That's a great B camera to go to the C seventy for sure, and it's wonderful. You know what? I like the image of it better than the C70. Um, oh. I just, it looks so like smooth and buttery. Um, the C70 is a little sharper, a little, and I've adjusted it. It's starting to look. I'm starting to get it to, to groove a little better. But I did uh, on my other channel. I have a Dirt Baggers. It's a motorcycle channel. Um, my buddy Rob and I did a educational video. And I used the C70 on the first one, which is a, a stopping uh -huh. uh, a brake video, braking in dirt off road. And then the second one where we're riding in sand was done with the R5. And I think the R5 video looks better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's that full frame sensor, you know, you got great glass on there. I don't know. It's, there's a lot to it. Um, I mean, you get the C70 more than just image quality, too. I mean, it's got, you know, the built-in ND, and it doesn't overheat, you know. <laughs> yep. So um, that's fascinating. Um, how does that make you feel to sit, you know, you do a Poison video, and it performs really well, right? Like, you're the people, in people's minds, they see you as the drummer of Poison, right? And yes. you you have to constantly kind of battle this. Like with fame and success, you have all sorts of things that are great, but there's also potentially things that can be uh, negative. What are what are some of the negative things that you've experienced with fame? 
Well, it's like I, you know, sometimes I've done some talks and people have been like, oh, what would you do differently or whatever? I don't know what I'd do differently, but I will say this to people that whatever your first record is, how you look, what you say, how you <laughs> conduct yourself is going to uh, follow you. It will become your cross to bear. Um, wow. Yeah. And, you know, you know, people still look at the cover of Look With The Cat Drag Man that was... 40 years ago or whatever it was, I don't even know anymore. It was uh, I, in 1986 and like judge me on that snapshot in time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. As a person, they'll judge me, not just the band. If they say, I don't like the band, they sometimes they don't like me too, which is weird. People don't like me because of poison. So that <laughs> is a weird That's thing. Weird. That, yeah, it's they like, already have that judgment, yeah. People don't judge others based off of something they did 40 years ago in real life. Um, although we're seeing more and more of that on social media. People are pulling up oh, things. That, <laughs> you, you said this 20 years ago. How dare you? It's like, I was yeah. a teenager. What do you, <laughs> I was an yeah. idiot. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not condoning that. I'm not saying it was good. Like, you know, whatever. Um, it's, I guess, you know, we could get on a whole rant about cancel culture, I'm sure, but. Uh, <laughs> why do you think I left LA? <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's crazy. And I mean, you're, you're in the thick of it over there in LA. I mean, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on right now. COVID really brought a lot of things out in our culture. It that... did. Um, I, you know, uh, you know, our fan base, the poison fan base is a lot of very red States. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so there's, um, you know, I see myself as a global citizen because we tour the world. Okay. Yeah. And I, you know, I want to be friends with the whole world because I want to play for people all over the world. Uh, I don't like to get into these, you know, nasty differences. And sometimes I find myself yeah. getting caught right up in it. Sure. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff. I live in a fairly conservative area. Um, mm -hmm. I live, I, I'm on three acres and I like my space and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, but I, I'm sort of progressive the way I think socially, mm -hmm. um, you know, gay marriage and all that stuff. I don't care about those things. Sure. Um, sure. but, uh, somehow there's this whole new, and I don't want to get into politics. Just to get <laughs> there's this new paradigm that is not doesn't even resemble anything i've ever seen before mm -hmm. and people are fighting and i'm not even sure what the heck they're fighting about i know uh, it's just really weird it is weird uh, i have to be so careful about like everything i say it's like i say one thing it's like i'm never coming to see you again you know <laughs> f you ben and it's like uh, <laughs> Jeez, I'm just trying to just be a human but over every, here. Everything's political. I mean, I, I got I got an exhaust right that a guy gave me for my Harley Davidson Pan America. I got slaughtered because people said it's too loud and it's and uh, I'm disturbing the peace and you know uh, this is not what should be out in the environment when you're off roading and it turned into this political <laughs> thing. I'm like. This guy gave me this beautiful exhaust and I wanted to tell you about it. <laughs> I want to get one, you know, but that's how it's become. Everything's yeah. Just keep, I want to just encourage you to keep being yourself. Keep going out there. I'm sure you will. I mean, you're a rock and roll guy for, you know, damn it. You know, you're going to do whatever you want. But I, the, there was a study about like the, um, I think it was a squirrel 
they would like randomly zap the squirrel. Like you push a button and or the, the squirrel would push a button and get a nut. Um, and then you push another button and you get zapped. And then they would do another study where they would just randomly zap the squirrel regardless of which button he pushed. And eventually he just stopped pushing the button and starved to death. So essentially by what's happening in culture right now, it's almost like whether I say – if I say this, I'm going to get this response. If I say this, I'm going to get this response. I might as well just say nothing uh, and just avoid all of it. Like don't stop just being yourself. Like don't let this bully you into, um, you know, not doing anything. You know, just keep creating content. Um, you've, you're going to always find people who, who love you and support you. And, uh, you know, you've definitely got me as a fan for sure. So <laughs> thank you. I just want to unapologetically be me, you know Absolutely. what I mean? And everybody else and, should be that um, way too. Um, you know, as far as I don't know what content I would have to create to keep those poison fans engaged because I have done, uh, videos on the road and, mm -hmm. you know, I can't get in, you know, our bass player's face with a camera and go, now this is my content. And I'm going to put it on you, my YouTube channel. <laughs> and I don't really care what you're doing right now. I can't do those things. I'm not going to uh, disrespect my own band. You know what of I mean? Course. But but I did do a lot of backstage stuff. I did a lot of tuning drums, doing all this stuff. And it's, they don't perform, those videos don't perform really any better mm -hmm. uh, than my legend tripping stuff. Um, some yeah. do. Uh, but, uh, like, like one, I, when I, I went back to wood drums, I right halfway through the tour, I got rid of this metal kit and got a, a wood kit that performed really well. Um, it, I just, it sounds like you, have, you may have, you may have a large amount of drum, uh, drummers that watch you. Maybe. Cause I was looking I, at that. I was looking at that video and a lot of the comments are drummers for sure. Yes, for sure. And, and so the, algor know, the algorithm. Still, might may know that you know and serves it to them you know yeah yes there's something there i got i have to crack this code because <laughs> you know, it's, i it's, would it, uh dude i would be down to come out sometime and spend a couple of days maybe a week out in cali and we could like figure it out together shoot some videos that'd be fun dude i'd love to do that i would you know really um what think, channels do you I, I i'm not interviewing you but what are your channels now? I know you were working with um, Indie Mogul. Guy. Yes, Indie Mogul, which that guy seems, I've heard he's the coolest Ted. guy ever. He is. Ted is the president of Aperture, and um, he was the host of Indie Mogul. Uh, he acquired the the channel um, a couple of years ago from the original owners who started it back in 2012, which in YouTube land is like ancient history. Um, and it's funny, you were talking about how rock and roll changed, you know, throughout the years and, and had different genres and you kind of have to just keep up with it. Um, the same is true with YouTube. It's like, if you were part of that OG 2012 YouTube world, um, things are completely different now. And Mr. Beast has changed the platform. Logan Paul changed the platform. Uh, you know, Casey Neistat changed it. Um, you have all these people like them who are essentially rock stars on YouTube that kind of change um the way it works peter uh, mckinnon mckinnon absolutely although i've i've kind of noticed like i feel like the camera channels i don't know if you've picked up on this but uh the views are just lower than ever like i, I think it's because really? yeah like uh mckinnon's got six million subs and he's like i mean no shade towards peter i'm a big fan but um 
He's getting like, you know, 100,000, 200,000, which sounds like a lot, but for a channel with 6 million subs, that's a not a great ratio. I mean, the brand new Ronin came out yesterday. Um, that Ronin 4D camera, which looks really cool. I don't know if you saw any videos on that. Oh my goodness! I have not watched the videos. I have about five uh, watch later. Watch later. Yeah. Yes, and I haven't gotten to it yet. But. Take some time to watch that. I think this gimbal camera thing is quite revolutionary. Maybe even you know you could throw the term out there, game changing. It's really quite amazing. But yeah, the, he posted that video yesterday. It's it. It's a wonderful new product, well-made video, 300,000 views, and he's got 6 million subs. Like that again, that is a lot of views. I'm not taking away from that. And he's making plenty of money uh, from it. But um, I just find it fascinating that like a gaming channel or a comedy channel with 2 million subs will post a video and within a day, they already have a million views. Um, and I, I feel like it's a difference in the audience potentially. I think we've kind of arrived at a point where all cameras are good. So there's not as much nuance anymore like it was a couple years ago. A couple years ago, some cameras had headphone jacks and some didn't. Some had flip screens and some didn't. Some of them had dual pixel autofocus and phase detect or contrast detect. And like now almost all the cameras are good and they all have solved the problems that we have. It's kind of like, okay, now I guess we got to just go make stuff now. <laughs> Yeah. But, um, I mean, yeah, there was such a mystery to some of that stuff at one point in time. And uh, it, it the veil has been dropped a lot. And but, you know, um, you know, the gaming stuff is what's killing it. I mean, it's uh, it's everywhere. And I think people's attention spans are getting even shorter. I think it's why TikTok. Uh, TikTok yeah, because if, if I grab my phone and I'm like, hey, I'm grabbing my your GoPro 10. 10. My GoPro 10, okay. Nice. And I can go like, hey, look at, look at this. And 15 seconds, right, I can show you something and it's over and you laugh or you respond or you don't. But if I'm like, look at the new Dave Mays video on this new product, it's like, I don't have 20 minutes right now. Um, I'll check that later. I, it's the, I think that you can consume these 15 second things. It's, it's so much quicker it's almost like showing somebody a picture isn't this a funny meme ah, you yeah. know and, and it's more rapid you can get that um i mean because i look at my uh stats on youtube and i mean still i mean it's 70 percent is off of a phone people are consuming yeah, it totally uh, so they're definitely sitting there you know uh, <laughs> or or it was or we're in bed at night. I don't know when they're consuming it, but yeah. uh, less on the computer. And I'm all concerned about how it looks on a bigger screen and uh, how mm -hmm. the audio sounds in, in a bigger environment. And very few people consume it that way. Totally. You know? In my conversation with Hayden Hillier-Smith, who's Logan Paul's editor on this podcast, I don't know if you've listened to it. I, 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 I don't want to plug my own thing, but it was a really fascinating interview to, to talk to, to Hayden. He mentioned to me how they do intentionally shoot it poorly so that it feels more authentic and kind of handheld and, um, you know, amateur, you know, because Logan Paul could totally afford a, a film crew to follow him around and film his videos. Um, but he purposely hires one guy with a Sony a7S and 
a 16 to 35 lens and just follows them around and that's it just no gimbals no you know nothing fancy just keeping it you know it is a decent camera it looks good but it's not shot to look like a movie and that's kind of i feel like over time youtube will slowly shift into maybe becoming more highly produced in terms of like television level quality content but we're still not there yet and i think the the thing that makes youtube so um refreshing to watch is that it's not as polished as the bachelor or you know any of those reality shows that are big on uh, television um so did you have you read the book stream punks no i haven't it it was uh, written by his name escapes me kinkle with the president of youtube um the ceo stream punks um yeah uh written by uh, Robert Seinkel with Ma- Manny PVN. Is that right? Yeah. St- Stream punks. I think he, I think he does an amazing job of summing up. I'll pick it up. YouTube. And, uh, it's like, like my fiance isn't really like, she'll turn on YouTube just for certain videos. She's done. I, it is my television in so many yeah. ways. Okay. Um, I mean, I'll watch uh, certain series, Last Kingdom, things like that. But um, but the rest of the content that I consume is on YouTube. And there is so much talent. There is so much non-talent, but there is so much talent. <laughs> a lot of There's non-talent. So different kinds of talent. There's, you know, yeah. people that just hold a camera like this and are able to compel you for a very long period of time. And there's other people that they can have the most amazing setup and most beautiful beast shots. And I can't get one minute past it. And I appreciate those things. Yeah. And it's, so what is it? What is that chutzpah? Okay. Mm -hmm. That, that works. I mean, you know, there's like every time Lindsay Sterling does a video, (laughs) my, it's insane. Right. I mean, I mean, she's like the prince of violin. I mean, <laughs> totally. You know what I mean, she's amazing. That's such yeah. a talent. I heard um, a great, I heard a great interview with uh, Colin and Samir. They interviewed. Um, I don't know if you've heard of them. They have a YouTube channel. They interview other creators, and they interviewed one of the top kind of YouTube executives. And he said they YouTube from their perspective, they kind of separate um, the whole site into three categories of creators. There's musicians. So it's basically just we're replacing MTV. So there's that whole section of Taylor Swift and Poison and, you know, whatever, right? You have your music videos. And then you have Late Night and kind of a uh, the second home for traditional media. So clips from SNL, um, Late Night hosts, uh, sh- you know, highlights from the Olympics, that kind of thing. It's basically things that live on television and then they have a second life on YouTube. And then the third category is creators. And that's the one that they see, obviously the majority of the users are, but they really do view it in those three categories. And I would say Lindsay Sterling is a great example of kind of riding the line of like being in the music space, but also being a creator. So those two kind of combined, just like how Carrie Underwood is a pop country artist those two combined together to make her a very successful artist. It's kind of that way for, for Lindsay, I would imagine. And then, and other, like the piano guys, they were big back in the day as well. Um, but the creator you know space what? is so interesting. Uh, what were you going to say? Sorry. 
I, no, I interrupted. Um, I, uh, I said I would get back to this. Um, we were talking about traditional media and breaking a band and today's social media and why some bands it works and some don't. And you were saying yeah. like flyers and those kind of things were those uh, that social media back then. And yeah. I've had some people that they don't understand they'll have a million people that sub on their channel. Okay. But they'll play a show and there's, you know, 200 people at their show. Yeah. And it's like, you have to understand that those million people are all over the globe. Okay. Yeah. They're not in one place. Yeah. You still have to break bands regionally. Okay. I'm uh, going to do yeah. the West coast. I'm going to play these uh, California and Arizona and wherever. Totally. Um, and, and keep like hammering that and become, and people want you to come to them. It's still important that, that touch, you know, and, and you kind of take over in, in a regional way. You can, I think, um, give people a heads up as to what you're about and pique their interest. But at the end of the day, you still need to go there and play and them see you and connect with you. And I, that's why traditional media still is important and, uh, and why there's a disconnect too, uh, where you, you know, a lot of people don't understand why this works and that doesn't work. And, I think somewhere in there lies the answer. Totally. Yeah, 100%. What, with your YouTube channel, what is it for you? Is it a side thing that you're, like, it's your passion? It's just something that you're you're enjoying? Is it something that you would like to pursue on a more full-time basis? Yeah, totally. I think the future is YouTube or platforms. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. You know, I keep waiting for another platform to come along and nothing's come along and nobody wants to compete with YouTube, right? Yeah, it's uh, the <laughs> second most visited website in the world. So, and the first is Google. So, and you and Google owns YouTube. <laughs> so they've got it. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> I don't think it's going anywhere. I think it'll only get bigger and bigger. It it will become it is already, but it will continue to become the television of the internet, you know. I mean, I think if Vimeo figured a way to pay uh, content creators, I think it, because it, it's a really good platform too, but it just, it doesn't have the social aspect. Exactly. Um, um, and, but I mean, there's a, that's my second platform. If I want to just put up a video to show somebody, but I don't want it for mass consumption, I put it on Vimeo and that yeah, way same I can here. password and, you know, I, I mean, still, I still pay was it like 60 bucks a year or whatever to have that so that I can kind of have password protected videos and just, I like their, their encoding is pretty good. And it, you know, it's a clean setup. You don't have all these ads everywhere. So, um, and I think they've totally given up on trying to compete with YouTube. There was a time where they were trying to, but it's, it's obvious that it's impossible to keep up. And so, in some ways they do is in terms of Patreon. Because mm -hmm. um, it integrates with Patreon really well. Oh, cool! So all my all my extra video stuff goes on Patreon. Um, oh, and, cool! Uh, I so, didn't know you're doing Patreon. How have you liked that platform? I do like it, and I'm very lazy with it. I, like, <laughs> like I'm a one man band. Like I do once in a while, I have help. Once in a great while. 90% of the time I do everything on my own. So I'm <laughs> editing, I'm shooting, I'm writing it, I'm doing, you know, the drill. I'm sure you've yep. been there. And done that. Been there, done and that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, by the time I'm done, I'm like exhausted. I'm just like, yeah. okay, now I'm going to do content for Patreon too. And I have 10 cameos to do. <laughs> like, I'm tired of looking at a camera and my hair doesn't look 
good and ah, you know yeah but, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh the the life of uh, ricky rocket it's crazy man that's nuts well but i have kids and you know and all that stuff so I, you know and how, so things how know? did that uh how did that change your world having having kids great i <laughs> am so in love with my kids i have a 12 year old boy and an eight-year-old girl and i just love them to death i just i mean we you know i i'm divorced and so i have 50 50 custody my ex-wife and i so i get them back every friday and then we, i have them for a week and or every other <clears throat> every other friday yeah and we just have a blast over the weekend doing a yeah. bunch of dumb stuff and riding dirt bikes or whatever. And then, uh, and then I got to get serious. And my fiance is amazing educator. Like she helps with her school. I was, wasn't great in school. I'm not dumb, but I just didn't love school. Yeah. And but really good in that space. That's and awesome. It's phenomenal at how she helps them. So they, they don't call me, they call her. I want to <laughs> talk to TC and I got a B on my test. Or, yeah. <laughs> ace this you know and oh yeah so, last year yeah. i'm sure she helped out a ton i mean it you know there was no real school last year so she did so much it's like i'm forever indebted really. <laughs> that's amazing yeah i i can relate to i mean i'm i'm a little behind on you i've got a two-year-old and a four-year-old so i'm i'm working on uh on that i'm still new to it but uh we're kind of in the thick of it right now in terms of the stress level i actually started noticing uh, my hair, the, my bangs were getting kind of like frizzy. And I asked my hairdresser, I was like, what's going on? She's like, that looks like you're losing your hair. I was like, what? No, <laughs> I'm like 31. You know, I'm like starting to become an, a man. <laughs> so, well, you know, I've always had this high forehead. So maybe I have that. Cause I have the know? same, we have the same kind of, yeah. yeah, the witches, what do they call the witches peak? Oh, widow's peak. Now, widow's kind of <laughs> I look at pictures of my dad. And he always say, I have my dad's forehead. He always had this high forehead, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, uh, but so thankfully I, it, I haven't lost anything. I think know? it's the kids. I think the kids are, are giving me so much stress that I'm starting to lose my hair. Um, uh, it's gone gray, that's for sure, uh, in certain areas. But um, Oh, me too. Me too. I just <laughs> cover it. I cover it. I'm 60. I'm it 60 works well, old. dude. Works well. <laughs> I love it. I'm half your, I'm, I'm almost half your age. Wow. <laughs> well, my dad's 61. So pop really, <laughs> that's funny. It's just so weird. At one point it sort of doesn't matter. You know, it, it doesn't No, We're adults. Yeah. We're both grown men with, with families and, uh, and jobs. <laughs> like, and we I both, was, we have the same musical taste too, which is great. <laughs> we went to, I was with the kids at a birthday party and there was this one girl that looked to be about Jude's age, my son. And I, and I said, I said, she's really cute, Jude. And he goes, mm. I'm like, what? He goes, she's too young. <laughs> too young. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, how old is she? She's 10. And I was like, you just turned 12. Okay. I mean, in my world, like, two years nothing at all, my man. Right. No, I remember in high school, yeah, like a freshman, when I was a senior, a freshman was like so young, you know, there's only a three year difference. It's like, if you're, if you're a senior boy dating the hottest freshman girl, you're, you know, 
you're crazy. What are you doing or whatever? Well, I don't know. Most I people did not would. have the hot freshman girl in school. No, Me neither. I was, I only kind of came into my own after high school. And I think ever since then, it was just like a chip on my shoulder. (laughs) (laughs) Good for you. (laughs) But it was because of magic. I got into magic when I was young and I started doing magic shows and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I was a magician for about five, six years professionally. And then what's your opinion on the, uh, late, uh, the amazing Randy, the amazing Randy. I didn't really watch any of his stuff. Uh, let me, I'm not sure. I, have you ever seen the amazing Jonathan? Um, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> oh, the amazing Randy. You mean James Randy? James Randy. Okay. Yeah. 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 Sorry. I, I never called him by that name. Was he the one that would debunk people, um, on TV and stuff like Yuri Geller yeah, and stuff like that? A, he became a you know, kind he, of like a professional naysayer. Like when he's he, the one that for like 15 years had the million dollar check. Yes. If you can prove okay. that they're supernatural, I will sign it over to you. And after 15 years, he finally went, nobody when can do he, it. So. Oh, he died last year. I didn't know that. He did. Yes. Okay. He came out gay and like at, at 85 or something. Like yeah. I, I remember there was a, I think did, um, did Teller, Penn and Teller, I think Teller made a doc or somebody did, somebody made a documentary and he was in it and he kind of came out, uh, which was, you know, that was interesting, right? <laughs> but, yeah. um, I wouldn't have really suspected that, but who cares? Right. It doesn't matter. Um, but I don't want his sleight of hand. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. No, yeah. I have so much respect for him and, the fact that he was very brave and just like, yes. you know, Yuri uh, Geller. I remember there was a great video of him on, was it the tonight show maybe? Or yeah. Uh, with Carson, probably Johnny Carson, 1973, Yuri Geller came on. And I think he would tr- basically tried to, that it kind of became the amazing Randy's kind of shtick was that it's like prove that you can do, you know, do the real oh, he the real destroyed deal. him he's like okay i'm gonna bend the fork too and i then i'm gonna show you how it's done yeah and that's what this guy's doing now <clears throat> i've seen i'm not gonna mention any names but there is a lot on youtube right now talking about the gabby petito case and people running with it in all kinds of different directions i think it's terrible um and there's a lot of these paranormal people doing things about contacting her and all this stuff. Again, oh my I'm goodness, not yeah. And I just, I just feel kind of sad for her parents and her loved ones and all that kind of stuff. If my daughter um, was killed and people were saying they're talking to her, I would be like incensed. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're, well, the the thing that's so evil about that is that they're using a popular culture phenomenon right now for clicks you know it really is the definition of clickbait it is and i try to be careful with this okay i try to keep to if something doesn't have an element of urban legend to it i kind of try to stay away from it Mm -hmm. Uh, and like for instance there is one case that i'm absolutely obsessed with and it's the girl scout murders and i want to do a documentary on it i actually had some meetings with some investors which is why I want to keep my Komodo. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, um, 
you know, it's, but it's three, you know, eight, nine, 10 year old girls that were severely murdered, you know, severely, uh, uh, tortured and um, sexually assaulted, murdered in the 70s in Oklahoma at a Girl Scout camp. And it has haunted me ever since I learned about the case. And but it's, you know, the guy got off on the charges because he said he was uh, shape shifting. He was a Native American that was shape shifting, couldn't have possibly have done it. And oh the jury gosh. bought it and left him off. Right. Uh, I mean, that's only one aspect of the case. But it, it made me kind of go, oh, I think I can bring this into the legend tripping sphere and totally, do something totally. about it. And I've gotten so, you know, just like the, the, the parents and um, uh, the sisters and friends and people of these little girls, are a lot of them are still around and they want answers. And I'm like, God, I want to I want to be the guy that. Yeah, kind of blows this thing wide open somehow. I know that's a really lofty thing to well, to, there's to take on, but we finally um, have with this whole. Uh, I think um, there was a great video that just came out by is I think it's ASAP Science or something or big big science channel. I forget his name, but he did he talked about how the Golden State Killer was found basically um, using the the whole DNA tracking um, method. And so there's just so many cold cases that have finally been um, been getting solved because of um, these open source DNA tracking. So like a, a distant relative may do this DNA track and it links to a murder um, that happened several years ago. And it's a real revolutionary um, tool uh, yeah. for for people to use. So maybe it's possible. Maybe it is possible to find uh, find out. So. They did do some recent DNA in 2018, I think it was, and it was still inconclusive. I don't know if there's other sources of DNA out there, but um, sure. uh, but there's, you know, I mean, there's nothing, you know, a lot of people go, oh, circumstantial evidence. Well, at one time, that's all we had, right? Sure. Uh, sure. People have been put to death for that or eyewitnesses. These are important things, too. Uh, <clears throat> so it's not all just DNA. Um so, you know, or maybe somebody would speak up finally. They go, yeah. I, I don't know, uh, but it's worth a shot. And it's, it's the worst tragedy that, tragedy that uh, people don't know about, I feel like. I mean, some people do, but it's never been blown wide open. So what are, what are some of the things that really fascinate you when you're trying to come up with content? I mean, you've just listed a couple ideas that you have. Uh, if you go on your channel, you can really see it. But what is it about these stories that you're so uh, attracted to um, when it comes to kind of paranormal and uh, murders and things like that? You know, I, lo <clears throat> I, I, I love folklore, uh, although I'm not a folklorist. I can't sit around a campfire and say, well, in Ireland in the 18, you know, but, uh, <laughs> but I do have a sense of where some of this stuff comes from, especially when there's things to do with bridges. Like actually in Ireland, there is all kinds of folklore about, uh, bad things that happen with bridges and under bridges and trolls and all this kind of stuff. Um, and now we have trolls on the internet. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it is interesting when you find a new uh, urban legend or not new, but when I say new, I mean this century and, and you can equate it to something in the 1700s in another country and you go, mm. Oh, that's odd that's where some of that idea must have come from, you know, yeah, but then you yeah. have other things like the 
people that were killed on a train that derailed. And then these um, paranormal investigators were going up that, you know, wanted to go where that train came at that exact time on the night that it really happened, which is kind of a legend tripping thing. And they're on the bridge and a train really came and actually killed a couple of them. So, you know, yeah. you know I had nothing funny about it, but I, I just mean the irony is like funny how it's, it's almost like if you try hard enough, uh, you can actually conjure this stuff. Totally. And, and maybe that at the end of the day really is what hauntings really are, what uh, legends really are, what mm. all this stuff is, is, is what we give it so much energy. I mean, I've been to the Amityville house a bunch of times. I don't know if it's haunted, but I'll tell you, it may as well be because there's so much energy in that house now from everybody going, oh, it's haunted. Uh-huh. <laughs> Murders really happened here. I mean, it it may as well be. I mean, it echoes all that energy somehow. And so I think that um, maybe in uh, scientifically, um, there are some echoes of the past and mm-hmm. the energy and all that stuff. And I'm not sure how it ties together, but it's what I'm try to solve a little bit as I go along. I feel like I keep putting pieces together. There's a channel called Closer to Truth. Uh, it's a great, great YouTube channel. An older guys, a PhD, and that's what he does. He talks about consciousness and he talks about God and he talks about answering all those tough questions. And uh, I mean, I would do anything to get this guy on to dig into some of these urban legends and find oh, out cool. what makes some of them tick. Because some of them are loose and lame and some of them are very, uh, almost 80% real. Uh, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Uh, but none of them have been 100%. Yeah. And none of them have been 100% not real. Uh, and that's what keeps me going is that truth is somewhere in there. Uh, how much of it? I go into it. Um, I go into it going, I'm going to believe anything because anything's possible. That, I go in with that mindset. What if everything is possible? Everything from leprechauns to witches and all <laughs> of it's possible, right? Uh-huh. And then once I look at it that way and I'm not getting the answers, then I go in with the naysayer attitude and go, well, then this is what's happening because that didn't happen, that didn't happen, and that didn't happen. So why? Uh-huh. And uh, that did, and why? Why is the EMF meter going off? Well, there's electricity in the house. I mean, you know, <laughs> what, then I start picking that apart. So I, I come into it uh, rather than the opposite. Nace, you know, the old saying, if, you, if, if you're a hammer, everything's a nail. So I try not to be that. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. I try to be the hammer and the nail. I try to figure it out um, from that aspect. And that's what keeps me going. And that's what I want uh, people to get from my channel. Uh, Not just like, sometimes it's fun just to tell a creepy, spooky story. But if I was going to do that, I'd have a creepy pasta channel. You know what I mean? (laughs) uh, Creepy pasta channel? Yeah, just all those creepy. I thought you meant like make pasta and tell creepy stories channel. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> have you seen creeps mcpasta no oh my gosh the channel is huge huge channel oh creepy pasta oh you're you're actually being serious that's the thing i'm being totally serious yeah oh, it's a massive channel yeah that's massive. creeps yes. mcpasta two million subs a horror movie in your mind great yeah i'll check it out 
Yeah, they're very big these days. But and I think it's fun and all that kind of stuff. But it's it, but that's not what I'm doing on my channel. I'm yeah. trying to keep it keep it real, bro. Keep it real, bro. <laughs> and people are just kind of joining you along with the journey. So yes, yes, I think the the YouTube formula book kind of talks about it. Like you can look to channels like this guy for inspiration, but you you still got to stay true to who you are. That's what makes you a unique proposition. That's what makes your channel uh, special compared to any anyone else is that you are uniquely yourself. <laughs> so just embrace who you are and, um, you know, pick a niche that you like that um that you can probably see yourself doing for years to come and, uh, and just go for it. And, um, to answer your question, uh, you asked me, what am I doing with channels? I never actually answered that. I kind of went on a tangent cause I don't like talking about myself on the podcast, but, um, basically I've been, but to be honest, we felt my, I say we, my wife and I felt like we needed to leave, um, LA. We were living in Pasadena. We really did love it. Um, but, uh, it was, great town. it was a great town and of all the towns in LA to live in, that's kind of the best one, I think. Um, so oh, oh, side, side note really quickly. I did a, a piece on the Pasadena suicide bridge. Ooh. Okay. So if you get a chance, check that one out. I'll that watch was, it. I yeah. didn't. I never realized that uh, that it was a suicide bridge over there. Oh my gosh! Uh, over 140 suicides off that bridge. Really? It's insane the amount of suicides. Ooh, I will yeah. absolutely. Anyway, sorry I will, to <clears throat> sorry to interrupt. I you. will absolutely watch that. Uh, I saw Jay Leno drive by once in his old Model T. Uh, that was kind of fun, but because um, he lives out there. But anyways, um, what was I saying? Oh yeah. Uh, my wife stays home with the kids and we were just kind of stuck indoors and we were from Nashville originally. So I know what it's like to live in a state where you can have land and, um, kind of live a more normal kind of life, own a home and, and kind of be surrounded by people who say hello to you, uh, <laughs> at the grocery store. <laughs> and, um, my parents also live here as well. My dad's actually a music producer. So I grew up in the, in that industry. So um, anyways, uh, so we were thinking about moving back home anyways, and I got an offer to work with my cousins of all people who own a photography business to do their videos. Uh, they sell courses, um, to other photographers on how to become successful photographers. It's kind of a meta universe thing for me to do, but I'm, I, so I took that position. They basically matched what I was making and paid for my whole move to move back home. <laughs> And these last seven months, I've been, um, it's been a real uh, blessing for me to not have to think about YouTube or anything else in terms of income and revenue. I actually have like some real revenue coming in from my day job, but um, that freedom has allowed me to really spend some time in research and figure out what I want to do next. And just kind of having my pulse on the kind of you know, camera gear filmmaking YouTube space for so long now, I kind of felt like my time had cut, even though I love cameras, I could probably talk about cameras for the rest of my life. I felt like in order to get out in front of millions of people, I would need to change uh, niches and, and find something else. And my, my roots are really in performing. I was a magician for so long. I loved it and performed for thousands of people doing that, not millions, but you know, did kind of like small time shows here in Nashville and around the areas. 
and uh, then I became a filmmaker. So YouTube really was kind of the perfect marriage of, and I think you have that as well as a performer yourself um, and a filmmaker. Now it's kind of the perfect marriage YouTube because you're not just making videos. You also have to be a performer. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of people uh, don't know how to do. And that's something that you especially have a lot of experience in um, being a performer. And, um, so I think a lot of people miss out on that and they forget that YouTube is a performance in of itself. You have to learn how to be a performer. All that being said, um, I'm starting a retro gaming channel, basically. Um, I'm going to take retro games uh, like old Super Mario or Mario Kart or like the Wii, you know, Wii Sports, stuff like that. Get an old CRT television, put it on a cart, go into downtown Nashville on Broadway and just challenge people to Wii Sports or here's oh, some, that's, here's that's, some, <laughs> yeah, challenge people to, you know, you have to collect 20 coins in the next 30 seconds or I slam a pie in your face or whatever. Or like, right. or if you can, if you can achieve this simple task in under 60 seconds, you get a free donut or, you know, it can scale all the way up to, um, all sorts of things. Like, you know, I could give away money like Mr. Beast or, um, playing guitar hero with Nashville's best guitar players you know or whatever um you'll never run out of that yeah exactly um uh dance dance revolution with real dancers you know um i think it's like 300 bucks to rent out a movie theater these days because theaters are desperate for cash so you could literally do like playing super mario in a movie theater you know um wow. and i'm gonna start small I'll start with tiktok and and youtube shorts that way I don't have to think about the production so much. I could just have some friends with an iPhone just film me doing this. And it kind of gets back to my roots as a performer. I love drawing a crowd. I love being big, a big personality. And um, I loved doing comedy in um, my videos. If you saw my videos, you saw, you saw the comedy. Um, I felt like a lot of it kind of fell flat. I, I really appreciate that you liked it. Um, but I did find on average that filmmaker demographic really took themselves very seriously. And um, I feel like if I were to go to a different genre that kind of allows for more fun, uh, like this retro gaming space, uh, which is my demographic, you know, kids in the 90s grew up with the Nintendo 64, the Super Nintendo, and then even older would be like, you know, the original uh, uh, Nintendo system or Atari I could have lots of fun with these older systems that immediately generate this feeling of nostalgia. Um, but then it's really focused on the relational aspect of gaming, not the guy in a room, a guy sitting in his basement, just like sniping people um, with esports or like Fortnite or Minecraft or whatever. Those are all great, but I have no interest in that. I'm really more interested in the relational side of how fun it was to play Wii Sports with my grandma. You know, she, we would Castlevania. play Castlevania, dude. Castle, we, I'm going to, can you be one of my first guys? Like Ricky Rocket plays Castlevania. That'd be fun. Yes. Let's do, um, uh, and this is a true story. I was obsessed with Castlevania. I got all the way to the highest level and I swear, I swear, blackout. We had a blackout. Oh my gosh! Everything went out, and, and it was, was not, a, you couldn't save games back. Yeah, then, it was right? on the NES, right? So there was no, um, there was no save. The, they didn't even have any RAM on the device to save it on them. It was just gone all Dude. at once. 
I, I mean, I was like, oh, at that point I went, I don't want a game anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that sealed the deal. <laughs> but I think the very first game I ever played on a computer was Leisure Suit Larry in the Land of the Lounge Lizards on an Atari computer. <laughs> Leisure Suit Larry. Atari. Oh my gosh. Wow. I'm looking up some uh, very interesting uh, game. <laughs> Yeah, no, he'd try to like get a date and he'd have to like use his breath spray and I mean, you know, and all, I mean, it's just so funny. Oh my it gosh. So there was and a... it, just, it came with the, with the computer. I bought the computer. They go, you get one free game and one something else. And I went, okay, I'll take, you'll love this game. Oh, okay. Okay. So I took Atari. that game and it was the only thing I had to play. So, but Dude, yeah, and I can still get that Atari. one of these days, one of these days. I'm going to do a start up my Atari computer uh, video oh, just yeah. for the heck of it. It doesn't fit with my channel at well, all. <laughs> that would fit. That would fit with this new channel I'm starting. So let's do it. Ooh, we yeah, could, it would right. Do leisure Sh leisure suit Larry. That is yeah. hilarious. I've never even heard of that game. That's See, kind of a cerebral game. Like you can't do it in five minutes. Like it's yeah. like a, you have to sit down and like it's one of those. Okay, you're walking through a door. Now what? You know, you have to yeah. answer. The We'd have to come up with some sort of premise. Like uh, every time something happens, we take a shot or we do something or we time <laughs> it so that you know we can only we only have four hours to beat this you know this game or whatever. I don't know. Right. Um, yes. Basically, the the thing that I've learned from this, from Mr. Beast, and you know this YouTube formula book, is having some sort of you want to you want to make your audience actively watching the video to where they can't stop watching the video. There has to be some sort of premise or or reason for them to finish the video. Um, for Mr. Beast, he'll set up the premise. I buried myself alive. And I'm going to, or I'm going to bury myself alive and I'm going to be underground for 40 hours. Um, you know, whatever. And then he'll, you want to see it happen, right? Like there's a beginning, middle and end. So uh, by, by focusing it on like TikTok videos at first, it'll really allow me to hone this, um, skill of like trying to tell a very simple story in like 20 seconds of, I go into, I go to the park with a couch and a old CRT television and like force somebody to play me at Mario Kart and the winner wins a slice of pizza. You know, it doesn't even have to be money. Um, cause I don't have much of it right now. So, uh, I could just do that for now and just tell that story as quickly as possible. And then it can scale up to a full 10 minute video when, it, when I'm ready to, to scale it and have the audience for it. Um, well, Man, you could make it almost like the Queen's Gambit, where like you know she's in the park playing the old pros, you know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like, that's a great idea. You know, and then you could satisfy the very serious filmmakers, you know, by having like this beautiful opening to it. You know. Yeah, you're you're right. I could do that. I think um, well, I think that's the the unique thing about me is that I can shoot it well. You know, a lot of people in the gaming space don't have the ability to shoot you know, professional looking video. So that already gives me a leg up for sure. Um, so are you exclusively, but I don't want to say exclusively, but is the C70 your main camera now? Yep. That's the, that is the camera that I, I use. I still, like I said, I personally own and use the Olympus, um, for all sorts of different things. Um, 
it's kind of like uh, the I, I have two Olympus cameras. Those are kind of like my B and C cameras. So if I ever need an extra angle, I'll use that still. And it is a better camera for vlogging, obviously. It's so much smaller. But um, yeah, the C7, I mean, you know, it's 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 not a cheap camera. So that, that one camera does do everything for me personally that I, I need. So I love it. The one camera that I would use and not use anything else if I could get the autofocus and I'm working on it, I am working on it because I'm not going to just lay down to this. Okay. <laughs> Is the Leica SL2S. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> nice. I, I, I love Leica, right? I have an M and I have the SL2. I and love Leica as well. I'm a huge fan. The SL2 video looks freaking gorgeous. I know I mean, it does, man. It really does. Stuff. I can, I mean, I blew an entire day thinking I was in focus. That's awesome. I mean, I, I have, it has a selfie <laughs> screen. I'm, I, you know, I mean, well, it doesn't have a selfie screen, but it had, I was, um, I would shoot, I'd go around and look. Yes, I'm in focus. Everything's working. Everything's frame good. Great. Yeah. I mark the spot, do it. Right. And then I get home. I'm like, oh, I can't oh, look at the colors. Look. <laughs> it's not in focus. Oh, it'll, it'll, it'll be in focus in a second. Let me go a little further in the timeline. Still not in focus. <laughs> it's focused on this tree. Like, oh my gosh! It yes, it just and yeah, it, and it's happened twice now. And I finally went, nope, I'm going to use the R5 or the C70, yeah, to do my videos. Uh, until I have a day to blow on getting the <laughs> if I can get the autofocus. Well, the thing I, is, is well, it's phone, not. It'll never be good because it's not it's not phase detect. So it, it will continue to be a struggle. Um, you can do it. Maybe if there's a I, I'm, I'm pretty sure they have an app on your phone. Maybe that could be a solution is to, to check that. And then you could tap your, your face and then lock it in that way. Um, a lot of people want to tap my face. But that's, <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, yeah. So, um, oh, and that's another thing too. At one point I thought about doing jujitsu videos. I've been doing jujitsu for 23 years. Oh, wow. Uh, jujitsu. And it's like, yeah. what do I do with this? Like <laughs> I, at this age, I'm not teaching. I don't have my own school. I just keep training. Uh, and, uh, and so once in a great while I'll teach for a friend or something like that, but I'm like, you know, maybe I should have a channel. So I think maybe, uh, I'm on my Patreon channel. I'm going to have some workout stuff and stuff that I do because I'm vegetarian as well. And just like that part of my lifestyle and see if that interests anybody. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but I don't want to do a start a YouTube channel. I don't want to start anything. <laughs> well, just... the, have you played around with TikTok at all? Do you have an account? A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. I have a couple of things up. I think that's a great place to, I mean, here I am kind of sharing my thoughts on TikTok. I haven't, I haven't yet been super successful with it. I did post a couple of my music video parodies on there and they performed really well there. Um, cause it's music related, anything music related does, uh, significantly better on TikTok I've seen. So, I mean, the fact that you are a musician, that you have that as an element of who you are, that could work out to your advantage. You'd have to kind of like the demographic on there is middle school, high school age, college age for the most part. Um, older, you know, it's starting to get older and older audiences. My my parents are starting to, you know, be like using TikTok, you know. So over the next couple of years, it'll continue to grow in terms of like 
reaching out to more demographics, but, um, that could be a great place to, to put some stuff out and just experiment. Cause the barrier of it, the barrier of entry is so low. You don't have to think about titles and thumbnails. Um, you can just experiment with things. And if the video doesn't perform well, it doesn't like, it doesn't hurt your channel necessarily. You just kind of right. keep, keep going. And there's such an influx of, uh, viewers and a low number of creators. So TikTok is desperate for people to create content. So they really truly kind of, if somebody watches the video and they enjoy it, um, they will share it to as many people as possible that want to see it. Um, it's kind of a true way to get discovered these days. Um, is it still 15 seconds? You can have up to 60 seconds now, I believe, which is, um, you know, but 15 seconds is kind of the, the sweet spot, uh, in terms of length, uh, to, to get people to watch it kind of what, what you want is to kind of have like over a hundred percent retention, which means people watch it more than once on average. Right, so, right, right. um, which is why you kind of almost want it to be very fast paced and stuff like that. What's interesting is on average videos are, you know, 15 seconds on TikTok, Um, and YouTube has much longer videos on average, but the last couple of months, TikTok has surpassed uh, average view duration in the app in America. Um, it, it's like over 25 minutes on average session time on TikTok a day, uh, whereas YouTube is like 15, 20 minutes a day on average. So even though YouTube has longer videos, TikTok is holding people's attention longer wow. overall, overall in terms of staying on the app. Um, so I find that fascinating that... Uh, people really are spending a long time on TikTok watching hundreds of videos. They just they just do this. It's so addictive. Well, that's the thing with legend tripping with my channel. It's kind of an immersive kind of subject matter typically. And so you have to like... It's storytelling. It, it, yeah. yeah, it's a story. I mean, so you have to have a minute. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and I try to hit uh, like around 12 minutes. That's kind of my sweet spot. Yeah. I like if I go any further than that, and I have a couple that are longer than that, and a couple that are shorter. I feel like if it's short, people are wanting more, but not necessarily in a good way. They feel like they didn't get enough, and they want a part two. Yeah. So I feel like 10 to 12 minutes seems to be where I can tell the story really, really well. And I never know what's going to hit. I mean, yeah. I've looked up, like I did something on Ed Gein, right? Uh, I mean, you know, kind of the original OG serial killer, right? And that just went huge. I mean, that was one of my biggest, uh, biggest ones. Um, I did one on my fiance when she got a tattoo. Yeah. Huge. People want to see tattoos. I can't do a tattoo video every day. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I can't start a tattoo channel. Right? How did I mean, that I, one blow up? What? How did that get discovered? And why did it get shared so much? Do you know? I don't know. I do, people were hungry. You know, TC gets a new tattoo. That was the name of it. Yeah, and uh, and people just flocked to it. And <laughs> and, and she's taking the 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 uh, um, the lap going. Yeah, it's because I was in it. And it's like, yeah, but you were in the Sturgis video and this video and this video, and it didn't blow up like that. So yeah, yeah. But, you well, know, maybe, and, maybe it got shared in some forum somewhere or something, you know, I, I, who maybe. knows? You never know. You, you can look at the, um, you can look at the analytics and kind of backtrack where things came from sometimes. And with Kinotika every month, uh, the M50 video was the highest performing video on our channel. 
So God, you know, I gotta tell you, I love, love, love the M50. I know it's great. <laughs> so many videos with that. I gave it to my son, my M50. Oh, that's a great, uh, great use <clears throat> of it. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, to me, the Olympus kind of took the place of the M50. Sure. For me. But, but I still, it, I still recommend it to kind of like normal people who just kind of want a, a good camera that's affordable and and reliable. Is I, there, um, there's a, a second one now, right? Yeah, but you can skip it. It's the exact same hardware. They just kind of added some new software. It's it's really dumb. It's it's the same camera for the most part. Really? Um, huh. Yeah. I I don't know why they don't do it. The, it. I had a Canon rep tell me at a a conference one time. He said the M50 is like our number one seller on Amazon. Like it, it's a very high selling product. Um, I don't know why they don't like keep the brand alive. Like make more versions of it and keep iterating on it. But uh, whatever. The Canon's it's a weird so company. Easy to use. It looks great. I mean, it does. It's just easy to use. Sony has that new. Uh, was it the ZV-E10, which is like a very tiny APS-C interchangeable camera. Um, that's probably a better option now overall, but, uh, it's still, I mean, it's $700. It's, it's still nowhere near as cheap as the M50 is. And although I, in this day and age, the iPhones just continue to get better and better and better. And year over year, I'm more and more surprised. I have the 12 pro right now. And, um, Me too. the, uh, I, I was tempted to buy the 13, but I I'm just kind of holding out for next year. I think you know, if it's good this year, it'll be even better next year. So might as well just wait. I'm very pleased with the 12. <clears throat> um, that's the reasonable thing to do. Talking myself off the ledge. Um, plus I ordered the new MacBook pro. So I, I had to, you yeah. know, I'm very excited about that. <laughs> very excited. I'm, this is an, I, uh, I have the iMac that I do all my editing and it's, it's faster on my laptop. This is a, this is an, this is an M1 laptop. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to sell that and replace yeah. it. With, and that's going to be my main computer. And I can it's take awesome. it on the road, everything. I'll be doing every. That's my plan is to do everything that I'm doing here yep. and everything. And then I can take it on the road. It's not like I have a home computer and one on the road. I can exactly, it'll be, you know, all the same. So same here. Uh, I'm rocking if, the, you can't see it, but I have the, the Mac mini, the M1 Mac mini. I really do like it. Uh, I, switched over to Apple Silicon as well and really love how fast it is now. It's, it's pretty crazy. But this M1X or not M1X, M1 Max, it's it's unreal what they're doing with it now. So plus we got an SD card slot again. <laughs> I know it's, it's a win-win. Um, so I did order the 13. I wasn't going to, I usually skip an iteration. Like I skip every other year. Oh yeah. Yeah. But this time I went with it. Like I had the 10 and then went to the 12. The ProRes um, is really nice. You know, it was a thing came up in my Verizon thing. And it was like, look, you could upgrade for, you know, 175 bucks and that's it. And I'm like, you know what? Might as well. Okay. <laughs> you know? So I'm doing it. Let so, me know yeah, what you I, think. I took, I put, I got a stock in Apple right before the very first iPhone was released. No way, dude. Uh, <laughs> way to so go. <laughs> I've been, I haven't sold it ever, my stock. Yeah. So I'm just riding the Apple wave. <laughs> and I've done really, really, really well with it. And I of remember course. my brother at the time was like, I wouldn't put too much in. And then he's like, maybe put a little more in. And, you know, and I just started riding it. And 
Uh, I blew it. I remember when the first um, PlayStation came out and I yeah. wanted to get involved and they, no, 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 don't, don't get involved in that tech. Sony. And yeah. I wish I would have. and so i won't listen to anybody anymore (laughs) that's the classic though for everything right like i i had a friend tell me about bitcoin like six years ago you know um and i was like ah that's a bunch of baloney you know but here we are (laughs) did you get into any crypto stuff yes i have dogecoin and i have a little bit of uh a little bit of um bitcoin or ethereum Yeah, yeah, but not much. AMC, just a couple things, and it's yeah. I'm doing it on Robinhood just to play. Yeah, just playing around just, with it. Yeah, just playing <clears> around. <throat> it does it. It's up and down, up and it yeah. never really. It's, you know, it hasn't gone crazy. Yeah, it's not something that's. It's not as reliable as what you've done with Apple. I mean, that's that's pretty awesome. That has been. I'm just scared to death that it's like all of a sudden. <laughs> And like you know they continue like, to grow hated for something or you know <laughs> yeah I'm just scared to death that something bad will happen but uh you know but hopefully it won't and it just went up with the really uh, the recent announcement of the iphones and the new silicone uh yeah, MacBooks. yeah the um, macbook i so think it's, it, it's really the nail in the coffin to intel because this processor that they've developed, if you know anything about computers, is doing things that uh, have never been done before. It's it's like we're used to in technology, at least the last several years, we're used to kind of like 25% faster, you know, 30% more powerful. We're literally seeing these machines be four times as powerful. We're talking, you know, 4x the, the power of the previous version. This this type of technological leap does not happen that often. And it's kind of nuts when you really think about it. It's insane. I, I just, it's like, wow, where is this going to go? They talk about downloading our, you know, our knowledge and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, ah, and then you see these giant leaps and you go, you know what? This, (laughs) and with Starlink coming with Elon Uh Musk, Starlink, I mean, we are going to be connected in a way that uh, we never thought before. Uh, is it going to be good or is it going to be bad? You know, totally. they, these are the things that uh, <laughs> sci-fi is written about, right? Well, I mean, COVID in of itself is so sci-fi. I mean, it, it it's continuing to show that it was developed in a lab. I mean, again, we don't want to get all p- political about it, but of, it makes sense. It's like Maybe it's not political. It just is what it it's is. It's a fact. Thank you. Thank you, Ricky. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like. Uh, the, no wonder this thing is so resilient and crazy because it was man-made. I mean, it, and we're seeing it, the ramifications of what man has done to nature. Um, how is this going to manifest in other ways in the future in a negative way too? I mean, it's scary to think about. Um, but that being said, Elon is working on ways to escape the planet and go to Mars. So that'll be cool. I, yeah, uh, then we can take COVID with us. Yeah, we can take it with us. Take it to Mars. <laughs> COVID can go to hell, man. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Did you have you had it? I did. I had it about three months ago. Actually, this is the first wow. time I announced it out loud. But unfortunately, uh, my cousins who I work with they got it from somebody and gave it to me and. Thankfully, everything was contained and, you know, I was I stayed in my home for two weeks and my wife ended up getting it. My kids were totally safe. 
everybody ended up being fine. Um, we're all, you know, we're healthy and, uh, in that kind of, you know, we're in our thirties, so it wasn't as scary for us, but, um, it was pretty intense for me. I was kind of in bed for about four days. Um, that being said, I've got strong immunities now, so I'm, I'm happy <laughs> with that. But well, I was, uh, I was double vaxxed and, uh, and I still got it, but, wow, yeah. um, and so I'm very convinced that it was, uh, and clinically they believe they didn't prove it, but they clinically, they were like, mm, we're pretty sure this is Delta. Um, okay. so we're pretty sure it was Delta. Um, my son came back to me on a Friday night and we always stay in the camper on Friday nights and mm-hmm. watch horror movies and eat popcorn and hang out. And at seven 30, he wanted to go to bed and I'm oh, like, man, okay. yeah. so he slept in the camper with us, me and my, my daughter, Lucy, and it's only a 16 footer. And the next morning he had 102 fever and he was throwing up and all oh, this man. stuff. And I'm like, doesn't sound like COVID, but I'm gonna, so I took him to the clinic. And they tested him for COVID. And the next day I came back. And so a couple of days later, I went in and tested and my nose started to run. And they're like, yeah, you, you, you haven't. I'm like, I'm breakthrough then. They're like, how did you get it? And I told them, they're like, okay, you were in a tube yeah. with your son for eight hours. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. Uh, so, you know, the viral load was so high sure. that, I had, that it just, it's kind of like it's the way they've described the vaccine. Uh, this one doctor was like, it's like a raincoat. Yeah. And, you know, it rains, you're going to stay dry. It rains, you're going to stay dry. It rains harder, probably stay dry. You get in a monsoon. You're going to get wet, man. going to stay dry. <laughs> yeah, better yeah. off with the raincoat. I was in a monsoon. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. That uh, makes sense. So uh, that's well, probably. Glad you're but all right. It, it was like three days. I, I didn't feel good. And that was it. Well, I was, when I was doing my research on you before our interview, I, and I, I, I did see that you had cancer. Can you, can you walk us through that, um, briefly, um, and what that experience was like? Oh, it was absolutely, absolutely horrifying. And it's been five years now. So I'm five years clean. Um, praise God. That's awesome. man. July. So, um, yeah, so I had oral cancer, uh, and it was, you know, literally the scariest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. And uh, it, I did the, you know, the regular, um, they call it um, standard of care, which is chemo radiation. They do it at the same time with mm. oral cancer. They don't do it separately like some other cancer. Oh, wow. So I couldn't swallow. I mean, it was very hard to swallow. I have liquid diet. Some, some people get a tube, a feeding tube. I didn't do that. I didn't mm. have to do that. Um, but after all that was said and done, I still had it. And that's freaked oh, me. I had about a 10% chance. And there was a new technology, newer technology, and it was immunotherapy. So I went to the doctor that specializes in immunotherapy, clinical trials, as well as standard of care. Uh, who, so he knows all aspects of it. And he said, yeah, I think you have time for us to try this. And wow. Within nine weeks, I was 90% cancer-free. Wow. In 18 it was gone. It was completely gone, and it's been gone ever Praise since. Praise the Lord, man. That's amazing. Yes. And there was so – it's funny you'd say that because uh, there's definitely more than just science going on here. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, you know, 
And I felt like immediately like, okay, this is going to be my duty now uh, to try to help other people. And so I've done, I do that a lot. Um, I'm not right now. I don't, I'm not mentoring anybody specifically, but, um, but I've had a ton, a ton of some famous people too. Then they called on me and said, Oh yeah, I know you went through this. What should I do? What, what am I going to expect? And I'm like, yeah. call me every day if you need to, like, mm. you know, we'll, we'll get you through it. I got through it. Um, we'll, we'll get you through it. And so, uh, so the last visit with my doc, you know, he said, look, he goes, you know, I've got patients now 11 years out, uh, other cancers, they're even further out with immunotherapy. He said, uh, you know, he said, I, my prognosis is it, it's, it's not going to come back. Uh, it, wow. it, nothing's a hundred percent and it could. Uh, but he said, I, I think you, I think you'll be fine. He goes, that being said, I want to continue to monitor you. So yeah, yeah, sure. So I'm like, not a problem. I'll be back here as often as you need to see me. So did you, so that's where I'm at. Did you kind of have like that deathbed moment where you're like, this could be it. And what were, what was going on in your head at that moment when you look back on your life in a moment of desperation like that? Well, that's when I was going to videotape all these life lessons. I'm like, I'm going to do all these life lessons for my kids so that they can hear it yeah. coming out of my voice mm. uh, before I can't talk. Because at one point, my other option besides immunotherapy uh, was to do chemo to just keep me going for a while or do the surgery and they remove the whole tongue. Oh, so wow. Yeah. I have a voice box and all that stuff. Feeding oh wow. Most people, it comes back anyway. So, um, well, did Eddie, what did Eddie Van Halen have? Uh, he had tongue. I don't know. I think he had throat. I thought he had throat cancer. But. He, he had, he had tongue cancer like me, but I don't know what I, the cause of it was maybe different. Yeah. Uh, mine was HPV, which is the most common these days. His may have been smoking. I don't know. He said metal guitar picks. I don't know. Well, um, I mean, I think anybody would know that Eddie was a, quite a chain smoker. <laughs> so yeah. he smoked a lot. He he did have some alcohol issues and stuff like that. So, but it was different you know, than, than deadly your, combo. You know, it was different. Uh, than your and thing. that's a harder cancer to cure for some reason. Yeah. Um, uh, but so, it, anyways, sorry. Um, so yeah. W- Walk me yeah, through so that. I had a moment when I talked to the surgeon before I got on the immunotherapy trial. <clears throat> the surgeon was like, I mean, he straight out said, I wouldn't wish this upon my worst enemy. I was like, I mean, Jeez. this was, <laughs> it's not what you want to hear from your doctor, right? No kidding. And I remember riding around uh, on a motorcycle with, with my now fiance. And I came home that night and I was like, I had saw one guy that had a stoma and I'm like, he must have had some other guy that had something wrong. I'm like, maybe he had it. And I just seeing my life being like that or worse or not having any life. And I just, I mean, I, all that bravery just went right out of me. Right. Of course. And, uh, of course. and, and that's when she forced me to dance with her and she, she had nothing to say cause I, I was facing some hard stuff. And, um, wow. I just, I just was determined 
to beat it and keep looking for answers, keep looking for answers, keep looking for answers. And my other oncologist said, yeah, there is this immunotherapy trial. And I said, help me find one. I'll, I'll go somewhere, whatever it takes. I'll fly to Finland, whatever, you know, Yeah. happened to be San Diego. So, um, so I went down and that doctor has become like a friend. I mean, he, I can text him and he texts me back and he's a wonderful human being. That's awesome. Like he is. And so I've done a few, um, uh, symposiums and, uh, those kinds of thing, meetings and talk with people and doctors and, and other patients and all kinds of stuff. And we did this one fundraiser and I was sitting next to, um, one of the heads of American Cancer Society, who was part of the fundraising event. Mm -hmm. And I just remember him, they talked, there was some talk about immunotherapy. And he he looked right over at her and pointed and said, I'm going to put you out of business. (laughs) She said, I hope you do. (laughs) And he said, oh, no, 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 I will. (laughs) So he plays to win. (laughs) He's looking to cure cancer through immunotherapy and a few other angles because there are things like brain cancer things like that that are not responding so well uh because of the brain brain blood barrier i i could go off on a tangent and all those kind of stuff but uh, there are many 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 cancers that can be cured from immunotherapy and um and there's other uh stem cell stuff there's uh, crispr there's all sorts of things we're in a very very exciting time uh, in terms of great uh, ways to treat it and possibly cure many kinds yeah i mean i'm i'm calling myself a cure because i'm five years out so um you know i still do this you know what i mean yeah (laughs) but you know i feel they've kind of said look if you did standard of care and you're five years out we call it cured so you didn't do standard of care you did immunotherapy so we're still going to call it cured that's (laughs) awesome man way to go congratulations and did you did you feel like in this time um, you had any spiritual moments or anything like that? Do you believe in God, a God of some sort? I do. And, you know, I've always been, um, you know, I grew up Methodist. Um, okay. <laughs> like I don't, I don't, I don't go to church um, and uh, my children do believe it or not. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's like one of those kind of things where I'm constantly searching. Okay. What, what is, I kind of a little bit believe people are going to make fun of me. No, I kind of believe in intelligent design a little bit because I believe all these things were set in the motion. I believe it. I believe that. And, you know, that's why there are, there were dinosaurs and there were primitive man and there were, I mean, it's, it's science and, and, um, spiritualism work together in that environment. Totally. And that satisfies me a whole lot more than going, <clears throat> oh, it's one or the other. Yeah. I'm a human being. I can't possibly, I can't postulate why there's something rather than nothing. Yeah. <laughs> How am I going to tell you for sure if there's a God or there is not a God? Exactly. It does boil down to faith at one point in time because we yeah. really don't know, <laughs> you know. I think if if you're a parent at all and you hold your child in your arms for the first time, you really get a feeling of, wow, there is something much more than me outside of this world because the spirit of, of each child that I've had, it, the, each personality is so unique and so different. And the fact that 
there was a moment in time where they didn't exist and then they came to be in the womb of my wife. I mean, it's just a miracle. It's such a miracle. Science hasn't figured that out yet. No, it is. And, and consciousness itself. Why do we yeah. have consciousness? And, and uh, why, why, do, why does something else? I mean, if I'm made up of atoms and this is made up of atoms, why doesn't this have consciousness? But I do. Um, <laughs> Or, you know, anim you know <laughs> animals, the, the difference between human and animal, you know, the, the do they have consciousness? I, you know, I don't know. Well, yes. And that's a big question. And, I, you know, I think monkeys do. I think maybe, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, that's a whole other <laughs> avenue. We could, I mean, we could really go off on that, right? Yeah, that's another podcast. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'm probably not the best one to interview about that. And I'm not the uh, best interviewer for that either. <laughs> but but no, my daughter, my daughter wants to uh, be a paleontologist. Oh, wow. And, cool. Uh, and there's like this paleoarchaeology that's now becoming this thing where people are paleontologists and archaeologists and they're working together and all this stuff. And I said to her one night, I said, you know, you don't just have to be a paleontologist, Lucy. I said, you could be a paleoarchaeologist and then you could study bone, man, bones from people and from dinosaurs. Oh, that's awesome. He goes, Daddy, I really don't want to hurt your feelings, but I just want to study dinosaur bones. Thank you. <laughs> that okay. is, that's so cute. That's adorable. How old, how old is she? You said eight, eight. eight. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. that is adorable. Oh my gosh, I love that. I think that's a I great. I think that's a great way to end it, Ricky. Thank yes. you so much for being on the show. I have a feeling that uh, we'll stay in touch and and continue to be friends. Maybe we'll have you on the show again. Um, and like I said, if you're in Nashville anytime soon, I would love to meet up, even just for coffee and hang out. And obviously, I would love. I'd be honored to come to a show. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I am going to share one thing with you, my yes. latest acquisition before we go. Let's see uh, it. I'm going to pull oh. this out. <laughs> I see I'm that. Whip it out. I, within a split second, I know what it is. It's the new Leica. Is, yes. that, a, is that the monochrome? The, no, this is the M10 Reporter. So it Ooh. isn't the latest, greatest. It's a 24 megapixel. But it's beautiful. I, I just think it's like... It's like part of me. Like, it's just, it's the one camera that I feel like I can keep with me all the time. Right? I love the M. I, I, I don't know if you followed my story about getting robbed, but um, these crooks uh, broke into my home and stole $40,000 worth of cameras. One of them was a, a Leica M3 that was my great uncle's that was, was gifted to me. That was the only one that hurt because it was, uh, he was the only owner of it, bought it in 1964. I still had the original receipt. He paid two thousand dollars for it in '64, so that tells you how, you know, wow. how expensive it was even at that time. Um, and well, how many uh, cameras did you have? Like, are you I, crazy? With cameras? I had you... I had seven, yeah, at the time that, that were stolen. Um, and th I think in that moment, it kind of it, I became more of a minimalist for after being robbed because I realized I don't need all these and, you know, but I do love to collect them. If I were, uh, <laughs> I'm sure I could nerd out. If I came over to your house, I would just be nerding out the whole time. Cause it sounds like you're quite a collector. <laughs> yeah. And my biggest, uh, my, this is what everybody laughs at me about. I collect bags. I have camera bags. Oh, I have yes. <laughs> I, I, I'm friends with Chase Reeves, uh -huh. the YouTuber yeah, that yeah. does all the bags. 
And uh, I mean, he's the only other person to says, but he's not as crazy as me because that's his channel. That's sure. what he does. I don't do this. <laughs> it's, just, it's totally I'm, fine. I That's the only reason why I'm starting this retro gaming thing, because I've kind of become a little bit of a collector with games. I mean, that there's all sorts of gaming guys that collect all the old retro Nintendo games, too. So. If I can justify it with a job, then it's worth it. I mean, don't even get started with, you know, musicians, too. I mean, gear, uh, guitar players collect so many guitars. It's ridiculous. And I have a lot of drums. So you have a lot of drums. <laughs> I like stuff. I'm not like this materialistic, like, I don't care about anything else guy. But I do like stuff. I like playing with stuff. Yeah. You're I've a gear guy. Yeah, I've always been that, ever <laughs> since I was a little kid. So, but thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for it. coming on, Ricky. This was a real honor and a real treat. I really enjoyed it. So, yeah, please stay in touch. Um, I mean, anytime. I think I even sent you my my phone number so you can text me. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. And, Let me. Uh, well, do you do you know when you're coming to um let's see Poison Nashville is it is it available on the internet here let's see yeah June often. oh wait it was originally scheduled in June but that obviously came and went um we'll figure it out it might be rescheduled by now yeah uh, some of them have already been rescheduled a lot of those shows yeah um, some oh, of them are yep worth June twenty twenty two June thirtieth yeah okay so there you go it's Except a date. The, it's at the Nissan Stadium. So Bring that'll the be, family. That'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. My my dad would get a kick out of it. He was in LA bands back in around that time as well. He was kicking around those clubs, um, seeing your posters as well. So he would get a kick out of it. Oh, it'd be great to me. Does he live in Nashville as well? He does, yeah. He's a he's a he was a he's a music producer, so um and I was born in LA, but we moved here when I was two, so um they got out of L.A. during the Rodney King riots. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I came this close to moving to Franklin. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's where everybody transplants. Yeah. yeah. Franklin, yeah. Brentwood. Um, so I'm currently... Leaper's Fork. I looked at a house in Leaper's Fork. Oh, it's gorgeous there. Yeah. yeah beautiful. Yeah. I love it there. I grew up in Mount Juliet. I don't know if you're familiar with that area. Yes. I looked at a house in Mount Juliet that was not finished. And they're like, you can finish it any way you want. You buy the house, we finish it how you want. I was yeah. like, wow, okay. So, <laughs> totally. But that's come up a lot in the last couple of years. Oh, yeah. It's it's almost as much money to live in Mount Juliet as it is in Franklin now. It's actually like really been growing. That's where I grew up. Um, I'm currently living in uh, basically Nashville, but we're looking at Murfreesboro because it's still cheap out there. So I could buy like two acres out there pretty cheap. Yeah. That's where my bus driver lives. He passed away from COVID about three weeks ago. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. Really? Yep. Yep. I'm so sorry to hear that. Kind of did the wow. anti-vax thing, and it was too late by the time he changed his mind. So. Oh, yeah. Lord have mercy. I'm so yeah. sorry. Good guy, too. <laughs> what's, what's his name? Or what was his name? Wes. Wes. His name Wes okay. Yeah. yeah, prayers for Wes and his family. That's awful. Yes. Yeah. Well, this this thing isn't over yet. We got to be smart, and uh... yeah, we do, we do. And uh, the, the cases have come down a lot. I think there was seventy thousand cases, which was down from six weeks ago. It was one hundred and seventy, I think, but it was thirty thousand last year at this time. So mm -hmm. we're still yeah. up there. I know it's crazy. 
it's it's not so, over it's something we're gonna have to live with so yeah but people over. are going out and there's less hospitalizations and so we're going in the right direction we just keep going totally. in the right direction and by totally. june 30th <laughs> yeah we won't have to worry about that. <laughs> by june 30th i will hopefully be able to see you in concert so <laughs> totally well ricky thanks again for coming on the show and we'll have to have you on again and uh we'll stay in touch man this is awesome thank you so much sounds good thank you so much